good evening or good morning. Who really cares as long as you're good? February is here, yet it's still very dark and cold. The sea is that slate grey colour, and I've been looking at it a lot these days during the midterm break. The thing about living in Ireland is that if you ever decide to leave it, be it on a holiday or something more permanent, you always have to cross the water. This gives the journey a certain poignancy and reminds you that you come from an island. Obvious enough, I hear you say. But often in the day-to-day course of life, it's easy to forget that. Tonight's story is one I wrote when I lived in Dublin. It centres around a young man who decides to leave the island too. However, his reasons for doing it are difficult for him, and he feels conflicted. I think a lot of Irish people feel the same. So here is The Circle and the Sea. It was the shouting of children that awoke Daniel from a light nap upon his folded overcoat. The fabric was cheap and coarse fibres had scratched at his nose and cheek, leaving him with an uncomfortable rash which couldn't be concealed. A great start to the evening, he sighed within himself. Still, he was determined to make the most of his voyage. The ferry from Rosslair to Cherbourg had departed an hour ago and would sail across the night until its arrival in the French port the following afternoon. When the bus had rolled onto the ship's underdeck, Daniel was quick to exit and drop his overnight bag in his modest cabin so that he could hurry downstairs and beat the rush to the bar. He'd ordered a pint of lager, distrustful of the quality of Guinness on the moving vessel, and found himself a comfortable seat where he could view the rain drift softly along the grey horizon. All set for the continent, he reassured himself, sipping his hoppy beer and allowing his eyes to close along the gentle rolling of the waves. It was then he had been awoken by the shouting child, his face now red and itchy, and his head cloudy from the unwanted and unexpected sleep. The half-drank pint of lager sat stagnant in its glass, as morose as his reasoning for travelling to France. All was some bitch, he scowled to the reflection in the portside window. History had been consistent on that point. Though Lisa hadn't caused the launching of a thousand ships, she had certainly overseen one, with him on it, broken his mind and his heart. Now she could keep Ireland to herself. Cold and barbarous, they seemed attuned to one another. Yet he should now look forward to warmer climes, he supposed, drawing himself up from his seat. And in the meantime, a breath of fresh air on the viewing deck might perk up his spirits and help him sleep soundly overnight. Heaven knew he needed it. The deck of the ship was cordoned off for the most part, leaving a small section 
to the rear for passengers to assemble on. As he made his way outside, Daniel noted the green grid of the metal floor was dangerously wet, and so he held on to the railings as he made his way gingerly along the perimeter. Smokers congregated beneath the white industrial walls of iron and rivets, dragging silently through the wind and the rain's swirling spray. Once at the rear, Daniel gripped the railing tightly and looked over the edge to the uncertain depths below. A crosswind met his cheek as the ship's turbines churned water into an angry broth of foam, trailing off in dissipating tubes along the surface of the sea. Beyond its reach, Wexford had long since disappeared from view, swallowed by new horizons on the vast spread of the ocean. For the first time since his decision to leave the island, Daniel felt alone and exposed on the open waves, propelled towards a destiny God had forgotten to write for him. Yet he mustn't let the moment overcome him. Hadn't his father taught him the value of seeing opportunity through the fog of strife? A new career to be forged in a mould he had chosen for himself. Teaching English to adults would forge new pathways in his stale mind, would connect synapses to fresh ideas and fresher starts. Yes, he surmised, turning from the torture of his lost future in Ireland. Better times will come again, and he would not cry. Once back inside, Daniel ordered a whiskey and ginger ale from the stout Eastern European barmaid. She was attractive in a way, he thought. Strong grip and firm posture. No bullshit taken. Maybe that was how he should have modelled himself. Instead, he had allowed his own force of will to be understated and malleable. He had retreated to a husk and become a weak, lily-livered version of the man he wished to see in the mirror. Yet no, his father said, better times will come. Setting himself down on the same seat by the window, Daniel leaned back into the cushions and kept the cold whiskey glass in his hand. The sea's blue edge moved along the glass and he imagined his mother slowly rocking him to sleep along the gentle waves. To be five years old and travelling to England with her again. She would absorb all troubles and leave him with nothing but adventure in his heart. Mother, he thought, ashamedly, slipping into a troubled slumber, wishing for her protection from the biting winds outside and within. Grand evening for the crossing. A voice penetrated the ambience and startled Daniel from his doze. He darted his head in each direction to see where it had come from. Sitting in a seat to his left, an elderly man smiled and sipped from a teacup, holding the saucer beneath a finely groomed silvery beard. Daniel regarded him cautiously. What was that? The man smiled again and lay his cup and saucer gently upon the table. I said... It's a grand evening for the crossing over to France. Daniel scanned his face. 
He was a striking man in many ways. His blue eyes pierced from beneath the shade of bushy eyebrows, and his skin cracked to fine lines on his rosy forehead. Yet it was the mane of hair combed neatly to one side that seemed most arresting, Daniel noted, the silver strands of which still had a touch of orange in them, indicating the final departure of his youth. What did he want? That was the more pertinent question. For fuck's sake, would it be too much to ask to be able to sit in peace and stare out the window of a ship without being accosted about the weather? Ireland. He was glad to be free of it. They're giving bad rain tomorrow in the north of France, the elderly man continued, keeping his eyes fixed on his younger shipmate. Are they? Daniel inquired flatly. Oh, too right they are now. Whoever thought we'd be leaving the old sod of era and actually be sailing into the rain? On this note, the old man cocked his head back and cackled hoarsely. And when he did so, Daniel noted the white square of his collar, which had been hidden beneath the strands of his beard. The younger man straightened his Catholic back against his seat. Though he had fallen in and out of commitment to his fate, decades of mass and sacraments had instilled an instinctual deference to priesthood. I shouldn't tease the damn country too much, the old man continued. Many a person left our shores in desperate circumstances over the centuries. Maybe myself and yourself are two of the luckier Irishmen to be sailing away on a ship of our own accord. Are you going on a pilgrimage? Daniel asked. You have it in one, young fella. We're taking a bus tour from the north of the country to the south. Our destination will be the Holy Shrine of Lourdes, but there's plenty to see and do along the way. Well, I hope you get the good weather for it, Daniel conceded to the cliché with a mild grimace in the absence of anything more substantive to say. Thank you for your good wishes, young man, and may I intrude upon you to ask where you are going? Oh, no intrusion, father. I'm starting a new position just north of Paris, teaching English as a foreign language. The priest raised his scraggy eyebrows at this revelation. Well, congratulations, my boy. That sounds like a wonderful adventure. Have you friends or any family over there? Not exactly, no, Daniel replied meekly. It's something of a solo voyage. Then all the more reason to be proud of your intrepid nature. It's no small thing to journey off on your lonesome. I'm not so sure I could have done such a thing even when I had an extra spring in my step. Well, it wasn't entirely the direction I saw my life heading, but we must adapt, Daniel conceded, looking down at the tips of his fingers. Oh, responded the priest. Well, we all know what happens to the best laid plans. The young man dragged his eyes from his hands and gazed out the window at the water's grey mass rolling along the edge of the horizon, the limits of what he could perceive. He wondered what Lisa was thinking right now. 
I broke up with my partner, he said to the rain upon the glass, surprising himself with his candidness. The old priest sat back in his seat and knitted his fingers on his lap. That's never an easy time in one's life. Were you married at all? Only living in sin, I'm afraid, Father. I wanted to start a family, but she wasn't so keen on the idea. A noble aspiration? I thought so. And so did she, once. But a change came over her the last few years. I knew in truth her heart wasn't in it. For the first time since they'd begun speaking, the priest seemed troubled. This is hardly the cause for your journey to France. Daniel sighed at the priest's summation of his life. We're from the same village. When everything unravelled, I felt suffocated. All those twitching curtains and wagging tongues. Sure, you know the way. Communities can be a blessing and a curse. And what of this girl? Is there to be no mending of the relationship? Eh, she has more notions for her career than children. She will have them, but not for a long while yet. I wasn't sure if she was just fobbing me off, and that's a big risk to take on someone. The scourge of modern living, what, Father? You must preach a bit about all that carry-on from the pulpit. The priest remained stony-faced. From time to time, he replied. But are you sure a compromise couldn't be reached? Daniel leaned forward in his seat, irked at the line of questioning. We're too far apart, and it's a fairly fundamental issue, I reckon. I left as soon as I discovered her true feelings. Did you love her? Of course I did. The young man spoke sharply. Well then, compromises must be reached. The rose of any relationship will wither and die without nurture. Have you had these discussions with the young lady? What's the point? It takes two to make a compromise. But she won't do that. Have you tried? Daniel sat back in his seat and considered the old priest dryly. Why had he allowed himself to be dragged into this conversation in the first place? Had he not wanted to just sit in peace with his drink before this interruption? Such simple pleasures were too much to ask in a world of busybodies, of course. Excuse me, father. I need to use the bathroom, he muttered, before rising stiffly from his seat. Well, that's quite all right, returned the priest. I believe it's just around the corner on the left. Making his way drearily along the thin blue carpet, Daniel sensed the boat's movements beneath his feet. The irregular timing of each sway and dip was unsettling to his stomach. Once in the relative sanctuary of the bathroom, he entered a cubicle and sat fully clothed on the toilet lid. His departure to France had been sudden and had taken his family and friends by surprise. Yet how could he stay in the village with Lisa living around the corner? Their lives had diverged, but would be held uncomfortably close by the magnet of proximity. No, something had to give, and in the absence of action, he feared it would be his health.
In any case, why was he allowing this stranger to sow seeds of doubt in his well-cultivated plans, the harvest of which would become ripe in the northern regions of France? Was he to question himself on the word of one individual, take lectures on his desires to have children and a family from a priest? What the fuck would he know about it? And he'd tell him as much too, he decided, exiting the cubicle and washing his hands. The old man had no real business sticking his oar into the private affairs of others. He should hold on to his rosary beads and leave the reality of living life to those who actually have to live it. Rehearsing these words in his mind as he returned to the table, Daniel was surprised to find the priest no longer there. Gone back to his flock, no doubt, the young man surmised, glaring at a spot once occupied by his brief companion. Now he could do what he had intended all along before the intrusion. He could finish his whiskey and gaze out at the water beneath the yellowy luminance of the rising moon. The ship continued to sway, yet now it had found a consistent rhythm. And gliding over the surging waves, Daniel perceived the hull standing firm and gently reassuring him of man's desire to conquer the elements. Between troughs and crests, he allowed sleep to wrap its warm arms around his shoulders. Sifting through dreams, he saw himself at once a child, at once an adult, alone on a ferry and frightened. The uncertainty of what lay beneath the waves and what awaited on distant shores echoed on the high seas of life. The transience of being, the fragility of existence, tethered as it was to unreliable crafts. Yes, he needed something to rely upon in the absence of himself. Had he lay the burden of his dreams on Lisa, caused the fault lines to open beneath the weight of his expectations, the notion was crippling. The virtue of his idealism being mirrored back as stubbornness. Could a compromise be reached should he return? In the flux of awakening, Lisa's lips mimed the words he wished them to say. To come back. Daniel coughed spittle onto his shirt as he opened his eyes to the near-empty lounge of the ship. The moon was hidden, and his whiskey glass perched precariously on the arm of his chair. Glancing at once to the space once taken up by the priest, he found that his elderly companion had still not returned. Scratching at his stubble, Daniel wondered if the man had truly appeared to him at all. Or, maybe, he had always been with him.